Thank you for tuning in to Top of the Morning, where we talk about sports and a whole lot more. I am Cameron, your host. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Elisa Alexander. How are you doing today? Really good. How about you? Good, good. Thank you for taking the time to join me. And I know I told my last guest that I know looking at me for an hour isn't always the most bearable thing to do, um, but people still do it. So I <laughs> thank you for being one of the ones to do it. Happy to be here. Um, so you got an interesting pretty interesting story you grew up not viewing yourself as an athlete i'm assuming you weren't playing sports a whole lot and and then it wasn't until later on in life that you realized that you had a drive and a desire and a gift um and you embarked on a whole new journey and some people usually don't start things later in life but you're one one of the ones that did so if you can take us through Kind of your your childhood and why you didn't see yourself as athletic type and why it took so long for you to say, hey, I'm going to take this by the horns and run with it. Okay, so when I was a little girl, um, like picture kickball in gym class, I was terrified. I hated kickball in gym class and I was probably one of the last people to be picked. And, you know, I just dreaded it completely. And so that kind of haunted me. And I tried to stay away from from sports in that regard. And I had a brother, I have a twin brother who was playing baseball and football. And so I was the cheerleader. And, you know, that was the way I viewed myself. And I really got into fitness, you know, on the flip side of it, I really loved fitness, but I still didn't consider myself an athlete. So I, you know, took all the classes and I would teach my friends different classes and things like that. But I just had this disconnect in my mind and I totally would keep it separate. So um, then around the time I was like getting close to 40, I'd been watching the Ironman um, triathlon on TV. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. seen it. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, so inspiring. So I decided that I wanted to run a triathlon or do a triathlon because it's swim, bike and run. And I, was, I wasn't really doing any of those three things. And so I had to start doing them. And I did. Uh, I started with a sprint triathlon, which is usually between a quarter mile and a half mile swim. And then there's about a 12 or 15 mile bike ride and then a 5k run. So I started practicing all those things and training for all of them. And people would ask me, you know, which one was my specialty. And I really didn't think I had a specialty, but I felt like running was the most fun. And so I did several sprint triathlons and I really love them. They're, you know, just a great way to challenge yourself if, if you want to really challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. But I fell in love with the running side of it. And even at that point, though, I still was, you know, just kind of like not considering myself a runner. But then I, I started thinking about it and I was deciding that I really loved it. And so I made this conscious decision that I want to be a runner. So I started, you know, making usernames, runner girl and buying running mugs and buying the running clothes and all the things. And I really jumped into it. And then at one point, I had only done like the 5K part of, of the triathlon, and I decided I wanted to start running, running some half marathons. And mm -hmm. I actually ran three half marathons in a month. And somebody pointed out, yeah. Are you okay? It was kind of crazy. <laughs> and um, uh, somebody pointed out to me, though, looking at my times, because they have marathon calculators, that you know you might be able to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And at that point, I hadn't even thought about running a marathon, let alone the Boston Marathon. Yeah. But 
I, I, you know, seeing that, you know, hey, this is possible, it really turned something on in my mind. And I started to see myself as possibly that runner and that marathoner. And I made that as my goal. So I, I really quickly signed up for a local marathon. And that changed everything for me. So. Yeah. And to, to make sure I'm clearing things up, you did all this for fun. You weren't getting paid to do it. Yeah. You just said, I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah. And for the most part, that's what it is for runners. But yeah, it was all for fun. See, I can't do it. I, <laughs> I, I played sports my whole life and always hated running, no matter what. Well, that's the one thing that we runners love because we'll say that to you. You know, our sport is your sports punishment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No matter what sport, even when I ran track, I looked at running as a punishment, even though that's the whole sport is running. <laughs> right, right. But that's just how it was. So <laughs> you you entered into these local marathons. Um, I think I read that the first one you did not qualify for. Correct. Yeah, um, I missed it by five minutes. So kind of take me through your mindset. You, you're doing this marathon, you run it, you miss by five minutes. Do, do you automatically say, okay, I'm just not going to do it anymore? Or say, oh, well, five minutes, let me go ahead and you know try again. Like, What was your mindset in that moment? Well, I was hooked. And I think that most marathoners, for the most part, will tell you that too. So as soon as I finished that first marathon, and even though I was hurting during a lot of it, I signed up for my next one immediately. So that, my first marathon was in September. And I signed up for another one in December. Which is crazy. Yeah, because it was cold. And I'm not a cold person. I don't like it. I don't like the cold too much. Where were these marathons being ran? So, well, I'm in Pennsylvania. So the first one okay. was in Pennsylvania near me. And then the second one was Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Okay. So still cold. Yeah. Oh, and it was right along the ocean. So it was very cold. Yeah. And so you said you ran three. So that was the second one. So what the, then what happened with the third one? Well, the third one was actually the Boston Marathon. No, wait a second. No, I had to wait for the Boston Marathon. I qualified in my second marathon and I qualified pretty big. So that was pretty awesome. Okay. What was your time in that one? That was um, 343.54. So that's my PR. So I can remember that one. I have a spreadsheet of all my times. Okay. That's three hours, 43 minutes, right? Yep. So, I mean, there are absolutely people who run way faster than me. And so it's, I always tell people it's all relative. Yeah, like, but I'm running a mile in like 11 minutes if I'm lucky. So <laughs> I, th I think you're doing just fine. Thank you. Well, you and, Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say they the cool thing about qualifying for Boston is that they have um, time or age and gender qualifications. So depending upon your yeah. age and your sex, that'll tell you like what time you have to shoot for. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause I, if you would have asked me, I would have thought it was just one general time. Yeah. So, uh, and so you're doing this and at age 40 mm -hmm. and this now has, is no longer a hyperfixation. This is like, I need to do this. Um, and so with that, you showed a lot of traits you know, you, you wrote some down for me, perseverance. Um, you wrote uh, that your whole mindset was just shifted. And now you're doing um, life coaching, which we'll get into a little bit later. So the people who are going to listen to this or watch this, and they're going to think, there's a lot of people out there that think, well, I'm 28 
or 29, it's too late to do what I want to do, whether it be a physical thing, whether it be a, a monetary thing, mental thing. And they'll just write it off saying, well, I'll miss my window, you know, and mm-hmm. as something as physically grueling as running for three, four five hours at a time and doing it at 40 years old, what would you tell to some people who might have that mindset of, well, I missed my window is too late. I don't think, you know, as long as you've got breath in your lungs and you can move whatever your goal, and sometimes you don't even have to move, but if you have a goal, it's never too late. And I think the big thing is really having the belief around it. And I've I've heard some people say you don't have to believe, but it it also really comes down to identity. So Mm -hmm. it's just having that identity in your mind or being able to see that future version of yourself and, and creating that because that's really what I did. I like I could see myself at the starting line of the Boston Marathon. And I think if I could have never seen that, if I didn't think that was possible, it, it wouldn't have ever happened. Because when I was younger, I would have laughed at you if you had told me that I was going to end up doing any of this. Yeah. And I, I know as I'm, I've been a football coach for I've taken a few years off, but I was coaching for three years. And a lot of things or one main thing I heard was that you have to vision envision success or envision wins in order to achieve it but there's also sometimes where you envision it and you don't achieve it and that's like that weird line of okay like am i just not good enough or you know whatever may have you and you know people are going to go through what what same thing you went through because you went to two three different marathons before or two different marathons before you qualified so what level of perseverance not only do you need to have, but do you need to surround yourself with? Because like other people, they're going to have to have some type of perseverance for you sometimes. And they're going to have to cheer you on. They're going to have to encourage you because it's not easy to get up and run every day to, to train. So you're going to have people backing you. So what type of perseverance do you need to have and do other people need to have in order to reach and not quit on their goals? Well, I think it really comes down to like that saying that you are the sum or the the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I think that's huge is having that community of people who have either done what you want to do or they're, you know, working on their part of, you know, their version of the goal. Because when you're surrounding yourself with people who are also striving, it can really help you. And I'm glad you kind of said that because, you know, yes, I qualified on my second attempt, but there are some people that I've known who've tried and tried and tried and haven't qualified. So, you know, sometimes we go for a goal and it's just not meant to be, but it's that idea of that perseverance and realizing that sometimes we put all the work in and it's just not meant to be, but having that vision and, you know, giving your best shot and realizing that maybe something else was meant for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell the people how many marathons you've ran now? Um, I've run over 30. I, I, I have a spreadsheet. So I, I think it's actually 31. But I, I tend to like get this like brain fog about it because it is so many. And and for sure, like I said, there's people who run hundreds of marathons. But yeah, for me, that's that's pretty awesome, especially because with, you know, the pandemic and things shutting down, I've actually turned to running more for the love of running. So I really haven't run a marathon in four years. So the the ones that I've run, it's been in a, pr- a pretty compact time. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. 30, 
one marathons is insane. But um, I have to ask you about the Boston Marathon, like about your experience running it. So how was that? Because obviously that's one of the biggest marathons in in the world. I mean, people watch it on TV all the time and stuff like that. Like, how was your experience? How was your sorry? How how was your experience running the Boston Marathon? That is so. I've I've actually run it several times, and it is you know, just like the most surreal thing to be in the athletes village and being surrounded by all these amazing runners. So you almost feel like, do I belong here? Because it's just fantastic athletes. And for the most part, people qualify to get there. They do have, you know, charity spots, but it is an amazing thing to be a part of, whether you're just going to the expo or running it because there are, you know, um, the fans are, are crazy, you know, out on, on out on the streets, the spectators. So they really take it to another level and it's thousands and thousands of people. So the way the, the marathon actually starts, they put you in waves, which a lot of other marathons do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're out with like a, you know, just a crush of people and, you know, you could just reach out and there's somebody running right next to you. And in other, in some other marathons, you know, you might have bigger gaps, but it's, so uplifting because even if you're having a hard day, because even running your best marathon is it's all still a lot of work, but everybody helps to just lift you up. It's a, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. What was your uh, best time out of all the Boston marathons you ran? Oh, shoot. I should have looked that up for you. Um, I think I want to say it was like around three hours, 15 minutes. I wish I wow. had that for you. Yeah. So that's the cool thing because you can run the Boston Marathon and re-qualify for the next year. So, oh, um, okay. Yeah, I have a, a friend that she and I have run the marathon a, a few times together, like actually side by side, and we've done that. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. Having somebody to take on that journey with you. Are you going to try to run any more marathons, Boston Marathons? <laughs> I am because it's something that I know I just can't give up. But um, right now I've been running more with my husband and our dog. So we try and, you know, watch her as far as weather and things like that. But I definitely have it that it's something that I plan on going back to. And and just like I was saying before, with visualizing and having that identity, it's it's in my mindset that it's going to happen. So, yes. Yeah, we'll make it happen. I yeah. believe in you. Um, and you, so you're a, a life coach. A health coach. Health coach, sorry. Health That's coach. okay. Um, so did your background of fitness and your love for running, did that kind of create that avenue into being a health coach? It did. So um, I, so the funny thing is I started as, as a personal trainer. I went to run coaching. So I've done run coaching and um, I started teaching yoga and the yoga is part of my balancing all the running. So just from yoga, I added everything else in, you know, just all kind of fit together And I use a lot of running analogies in my health coaching because it's just so much a part of me. And a lot of times what I'll tell people, whether it's in the run coaching side of it or the health coaching side of it, it still comes down to that identity because there are so many people who, you know, want to feel better in their bodies. They want to lose weight or they lose weight and then they gain it back and they, they don't understand why. And it's, it's not so much information. It's not so much knowing calories in versus calories out. It's having that identity and being able to embrace that healthier, fitter person inside of you. So yeah. I, I use that in, you know, in my analogies for a lot of that. Yeah. How long have you been a health coach? I've been a health coach for five years now. 
Okay. Okay. Um, so how do you even become a health coach? Do you just kind of say, Hey, I want to be a health coach. Let me sign up in this database. Like how does that, how does the process that? Well, there are so many different ways. So like I mentioned years ago, I started as a personal trainer and I got certified through the American council on exercise. So Mm -hmm. I initially went back to them to get certified as a health coach. And then I mentioned my yoga training. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Ayurveda. Do you know what that is? I don't even know how to spell that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Ayurveda is kind of considered the sister science of yoga, and they both go back thousands of years. And it basically basically just means the science of life. And okay. it's about creating balance in your health, living in balance with nature, you know, working with your body instead of fighting it. So I got certifications through Ayurveda as adding that to my health coaching. So to me, it's really exciting because I have you know, the Western side with the personal training and everything I've learned from American Council on exercise. But then I have this other side that looks at you as a whole being. And in, even like I mentioned with the running, because if all I ever did was run, I'd break down my body pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But adding in the running and um, even the rest and recovery, that's what keeps me running. And I honestly plan on running until I'm 100 or, you know, as far as I can go. So Every time I see a woman or, or a guy who's 92, 93, 94 running a marathon, I'm like, heck yeah, that's that's going to be me. Yeah. Um, and I, I asked that because I was a personal trainer at one point also okay. um, a few years back. And I heard of the nutritionist and I've heard of the, the the training side of thing. But as far as like health coach, I, at least where I live, I, I haven't heard that term, which is why I was curious, which okay. is why I wanted to throw it out there. Um, but that is interesting. I didn't, I, I don't think I ever really knew that was like a thing just being a health coach. Like I said, yeah. a new nutritionist and stuff, but yeah. Well, and then the thing with health coaching, cause some people think, oh, I'm healthy enough and, you know, or I can do it on my own and they don't realize, you know, it's like with however good it is now, could it be like, how much better could it be? Like, what else could you do? And like, I'm, I'm really happy to tell you, like, you haven't asked me, but I, when I mentioned I was 40 when I started running marathons, so I'm 55 and I'm, oh, yeah, <laughs> you don't look it. Thank you. So like that, like that really makes me feel good because, you know, I think it all comes down to all the things that I do and the way that I yeah. do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and it keeps you young. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it keeps you young. As a health coach, obviously you focus on the the health side of things. Do you also focus on the the personal growth side of things, or like kind of like the life side of things also? Yeah, there's there's definitely um, an element to that, and I've done um, trainings in the mindset side of things. So it it and it's interesting that you thought that I was a life coach because there's part of me that I feel like my health coaching it just all expands and it becomes one anyway. Yeah, because I feel like as as a health coach, you obviously are going to talk about, you know, healthy habits and, you know, things that keep yourself in shape and things that keep yourself um, promoting healthy lifestyles, healthy habits, things like that. But then it also, in my mind, comes down to uh, discipline and um, you and encouragement and just things that you need in everyday life, because it's not easy to wake up and say, I'm going to eat an apple 
for breakfast and some oatmeal and you're like you're just popping some cereal some sugary cereal and call it a day it's easy right <laughs> um and so that's why i guess it does work hand and i guess that's why i thought i was a life coach also because like i feel like it's just all right there i mean you, you can't in my mind you can't really have one without the other right it's all connected right. it's all connected right right right, right. so that's really interesting that um, you're doing all that. So what's um, like your next step? When's your next marathon? When's the next thing that you're doing? Like what? what's next on your plate? Well, I have a potential marathon in November. Um, I, I'm running every day. So I mentioned running with my husband and our dog. Right. So we, well, not every day. So we probably run four to six days a week. And then there are some. Yeah, <laughs> throw in some strength or yoga, things like that on other days, because um, I think it's important to do all those different things. Yeah. So question about yoga, because I've taken yoga class maybe, I don't know, twice, three times in my life. So okay. I'm not I'm not very familiar with it. Why does it hurt so bad? <laughs> <laughs> every time I take a yoga class, I'm like, I'm better off going to the gym and doing the whole workout because that's what it feels like. Well, I guess one, it depends on the kind of yoga you're taking, but it's, I would say it's probably because it's something new that your body isn't used to, but there are so many elements to yoga. There is definitely that strength side. Um, and I guess I'm kind of curious when you say it hurts so bad, how does like, what are you experiencing? So it, it's not the type of pain where I'm like, I should probably stop kind of pain, but it's just that uncomfortable, um, like that this, this is burning, you know, like that, that type of pain, quote unquote pain. Yeah. So for that, I think it's just because it's something new for your body. But one thing that I tell all my students is always, you know, one, listen to your body. And I, I always teach modifications for poses because um, my body is different than your body. So what I'm doing, you know, you might have to have a different variation of a pose. And so I always say it's not what it looks like, it's what it feels like. So if it's hurting, you might maybe you need to back off a little bit out of a pose, but um, there's so many different variations for poses. And that's one of the things I love is sharing, you know, all the different ways that you can do it because um, like, I don't know if you can remember any of the poses, but there's one that's called pigeon pose. Do you know what I mean? So that's like, a, it's a hip opener pose. And so for a lot of people, that's a love hate because when you first do it, it might really hurt. But then after a while, you realize, oh, wow, this is doing amazing things for my hips and you start to love it. But even with that pose, there are different ways to make it so it doesn't hurt because, you know, we really don't want it to hurt and especially things like your knees. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are, and we want to make sure that your alignment's good. So it just depends on what you're doing. Yeah, I think the only positions I remember is the dogs. What is it? Upward yeah. and downward dog. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not very too familiar in the game. That's okay. Um, so what's your, so as far as health coaching goes, what's your expertise? Do you focus on like food side of things or exercise side of things? Like what, what's your, what's your expertise? Well, I definitely have the emphasis on movement because of you know, personal training and yoga, but um, I look at eating like the nutrition side of it holistically really pointing towards whole foods. And like you mentioned earlier, the healthy habits. So creating the healthy habits around eating because there are so many different diets out there and, for, you know, ways to eat healthy, you know, kind of mm -hmm. quote unquote, but it really comes down to, you know, things like 
portion size, when and how you're eating. So I really coach to a lot of that because, um, and again, it, it's it's not so much knowing what to do. It's having that mindset and eating like that healthier person. And that's one of the big things that I focus on when it comes to the nutrition and the like losing weight side of things or managing your weight. Yeah. Um, and when I was back when I was a personal trainer, uh, clients would come in and say, hey, I need to lose weight. I need to go on a diet. And let me get your opinion on this because I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> correct. But they would come in and they would say, I need, I need to go on a diet. Give me your best diet. And I would say, well, diets don't really work. You just need a lifestyle change. And I, it's, I don't know. What's, it, like, what's your view on that? If I was, if I, you were to hear somebody say that. Oh, I'd agree 100% with that because, okay. you know, I think diets are horrible because, you know, you go on a diet for three weeks or three months and you might lose you know, a fantastic amount of weight. And then as soon as you go back to eating your regular way, it's all going to come back, if not, you know, a, a few extra bonus pounds just for, for the heck of it. So you're right. It's totally about the lifestyle change and, you know, finding what you can um, accept sustainably, like, or stick to sustainably, because, you know, I, there might be certain things that I'm doing that would be really, you know, difficult or, you know, unacceptable to somebody else and, you know, vice versa. Like, you know, maybe there's something that you're doing that I'm like, heck no, that's not going to work for me. So it's finding the the lifestyle change that's going to fit for you. Yeah. And so if somebody, if you had like 10 people in the room and they all ask you, well, how am I going to find out what's best for me? Like what, what's the process of doing that? Well, it's really those small changes. And one thing that I'd like to encourage my clients to do is to kind of have like the mind of, well, first of all, like the mind of a beginner and just experimenting. So like try, like you might say, oh, I could never eat Brussels sprouts or whatever the heck it is. And I might say, well, you know, maybe try the Brussels sprouts for three days, six days, you know, a week mm. and then see how, you know, what changes you feel in your body. And the Ayurvedic side of things, it's all about like cause and effect. Like if, and I, I don't really usually recommend the Brussels sprouts thing. So I don't know where that yeah, example yeah. comes from. But like, for instance, I'll recommend having um, some warm water in the morning before you even have your coffee. And that one was really hard for me because I hated warm water. So I would say have a sip of warm water before your coffee. You know, just experiment with that. See how that is. And then maybe add it to where you're having a couple more sips of warm water. And rather than saying, oh, I'm not the kind of person who could do that, you know, just kind of like, okay, I'll try it, I'll, you know, see how that see how that fits. And then notice how you feel three days a week down the road, like what changes do you notice? And really having that, that's the way to figure out what's going to work for you. Because again, for those 10 people, it's not going to be the same for every single person. Right, right, right. Um, and I've seen on TikTok, because TikTok knows all, right? Yep. <laughs> So I've seen someone mention about the, the warm cup of water in the morning. Okay. So what are the benefits of that? Because I have no idea. I just heard it, but I don't know what the benefit of that is. Well, it helps to hydrate you first thing in the morning. Because um, like you think about it, just like you haven't been eating overnight, you've been sleeping and, you know, everything's just kind of, you know, stagnant. Yeah. So rather than starting your day with coffee or juice or anything else, the warm water is going to help hydrate you. And, and not just the hydration, but it's, it's also, you know, if you want to get a little personal, it's going to help get things moving and, and you can um, put in a little bit of lemon, um, 
you know, a squeeze of lemon or a squeeze of lime, and that's going to help alkalize your blood as well. So that's really good. Um, and then as a bonus, I tend to recommend the warm water throughout the day. And, you know, like usually like 20 minute intervals, just have a sip or two. And that really helps with cravings and snacking and things like that. So like I used to be a big snacker, you know, as a runner, I thought I had to keep my, um, like my blood sugar up. You hear that a lot. Yeah. I got to get my blood sugar up, mm-hmm. but having the, the warm water, you know, at 20 minute intervals and you could set an alarm on your phone for a lot of people, that's going to really help, you know, knock those, those unhealthy cravings out. Okay. Um, that makes sense. I think I'm going to have to start trying doing that. Yeah, just start with a sip, so you don't have to do like you can still have your coffee, but have a sip first. I don't even drink coffee, actually. Okay, I'm, there you go. I'm one of the guys that wakes up and I just walk out the door. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, and I just I don't know. I've always been that way. I've, I don't drink cold water, warm water in the mornings. I just I'll probably grab a bagel or something, and then just walk out. Wow! <laughs> go to work. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe I need to. I need. I, I need a lifestyle change. I need to start doing some things differently, because I have. I have noticed that I need to. Some things in my body, I feel like I need to get, you know, situated. Yes. So, <laughs> I, I feel like I need to hire you. Well, to, you've got my contact information. <laughs> so, uh, speaking speaking of which, um. So your your services, do you offer services to everybody or are they just in person or what? I do uh, most of my coaching virtually. So it makes it easy to coach just about anybody. Okay. So if it will be okay with you afterwards, I can go ahead and post those links in the bio. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, then. Absolutely. Yeah, they, can go ahead, they can go ahead and do that. Um, so do you know anything about chai tea? Chai tea? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's because it's the spice tea. So I don't know a whole lot about it, but what do you want to know? Okay, so I'm drinking it now. Okay. And I like the taste of it, but I don't really don't know if it's good for me. <laughs> so, but it tastes good, so I'm going to keep drinking it. But if you tell me it's bad, then I'll stop. Well, so I'm, I think, well, it really depends. So one of the things I do like on the Ayurveda side is find out more about you um, because spices like the chai tea, um, you can actually use them kind of medicinally. So it might be a, a really awesome thing for you. So unless I found some reason why you shouldn't have it, um, I would say keep drinking it. Okay. Um, so how about this? Take So let's do a sample consultation. Okay. <laughs> right. So we would hop on and you would say, hey, like, let's figure out some things. And then you would basically be able to tell me what the next step is for me. So take me through like a sample consultation. Oh my goodness. How long do you have? Um, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. You are. So I would want to know like what, what you're experiencing, first of all. Um, let's see. I'm experiencing lack of energy. Okay. Um, lack of sleep. And, um, uh, let's see, what else am I experiencing? Let's just start with that right now. Okay. I'm I'm sure there's something else, but. So what do you think is causing that? Well, I eat ice cream before I go to bed sometimes. Okay. 
So that could be the lack of sleep um, and also lack of energy, I guess, also the lack of sleep that directly translates to lack of energy, but also I don't really like eating vegetables either. Okay. So when you said that you eat the ice cream before you go to sleep, I'm kind of curious of a couple things. One is what, what time you're eating the ice cream and what time you're going to sleep? It depends. It depends. So if I think the other night, so let's say last night I went to bed at, I think it was 10 or 11. Okay. And I had the ice cream about nine. And, but it's good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's good, but it's not so good. Cause yeah, I, I would definitely think that that is probably the reason that you're not getting great sleep because um, a couple of things stand out to me is like the, the timing and, and the way our bodies are made to digest and to go to sleep. So when we go to sleep, um, and I feel like I'm giving too much information here, but from like 10 o'clock on our bodies are meant to like be doing the repair mode. So what's happening is when you're, you're eating the ice cream really close to bed, it's your body's like fighting because it's stealing the energy from tomorrow to digest the food. So that's part of the reason why you're having difficulty sleeping and feeling lethargic oh. the next day. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. I never heard someone say to me that um, it, stealing energy from the next day. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I shouldn't eat ice cream well, tonight before I go to bed. I would try and eat it like earlier. So in general, um, the goal is to have your last calories at least three hours before you go to bed. So that okay. way, yeah. So you can have it, just have it sooner. Okay. So I'll eat it as soon as we get off here and then I'll be done. Yep. As soon as we're done. Yep. Okay. Um, and so as far as water goes, so I know that half your body weight in ounces is supposed to be the optimal intake for hydration. But as someone who doesn't love drinking water all the time, is there any other supplemental beverage that would, I guess, somewhat adequately uh, replace water? Well, of course, you know, I want to say water is the best thing, but yeah. um, there was water in so many things that we eat too. So like there's water in fruit and there's water, like if you eat a bowl of soup, you're, so you'd still take in that water from those other things. I think the big key is to stay away from sugary drinks or anything, you know, with like those added sweeteners to make it taste better. But um, you can get water from, you know, lots of different things that you eat. But I think it's still that that experimenting thing is trying to find ways to add a couple sips here and there. And sometimes, you know, like the biggest thing, and I, I tell my clients this a lot, and I, I think I mentioned it before, is setting that alarm on your phone to just, you know, do the water. Or um, do you ever, have you ever tried it with, you know, a squeeze of lemon or something like that? Uh, when I'm at the restaurant, I get, I'll get lemon, lemon in my water, but that's it. Okay. So lemon's a good one. Um, another one, believe it or not, if you haven't tried this is sliced cucumber. Ew. No, it's delicious. Like, I mean, I remember I was visiting, I was like 
visiting a coworker in New York a few years back and we go into this restaurant and everybody's like, you have to have the cucumber water. And <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. So you don't actually drink or eat the cucumber. It just like flavors the water a little bit. I, I personally hate cucumber, <laughs> but if, if it's coming from you, I, I guess it's, I, I can try it. Yeah. Just try wow. it. <laughs> and if you don't like it, don't worry about drinking it again, but just try it. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. Um, and, and wrapping up, do you, I'll give you the floor for a self, um, what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? A self promotion okay. to self promote. So well, what do you have going on that you like to offer that you want people to hear about? Um, just go ahead. Well, I don't know when this is going to air. Um, but I do next week, so it's September 11th through 13th, I'm having a three-day self-care challenge. And so that's because, you know, for a lot of us, we don't take enough time to take care of ourselves. Um, and aside from that, you know, your listeners can always reach out and set up a time to um, do what I call an ageless vitality call. Um, so that way they can um, figure out, because one of the big things that I really help my clients with is break through the obstacles, because we all kind of know what we should be doing. And, and that's what I hear from people all the time. Like, I know I should work out, or I know I should eat better, or I know I shouldn't eat that ice cream before I go to bed, but I just can't help myself. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I work with my clients on. So on that call, I help figure, help them figure out, you know, what is that one thing that's keeping you stuck? And what's that one next thing that you can do um, kind of like that baby step, because a lot of times we think we have to change everything overnight. And so it's a way to just get that one next step, to, one next step that they can do to feel better. Okay, cool. So um, if, like I said earlier, uh, if you don't mind sending those links and I'm going to link them in the bio so people can easily reach out to you. And hopefully somebody who's listening to this realizes that they need a health coach and that they make you the one. Awesome. Sounds yeah. wonderful. So with that being said, that's, that's it for me. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, um, to look at me for all of 40 minutes. Like I said, I know it's not the easiest thing to do, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being a part of this podcast that is continuously growing and that I love to do. And I love getting to know people um, in different areas of the world and different facets of life and all of it's very interesting. So I'm glad you uh, put your information out there and um, for me to reach out to you. And I'm you know, glad you took time. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. To all my Top of the Morning listeners, until next time and to all a good night. <laughs>